0: I cannot wait to see you. The almost 9 million people who follow Camila Coelho on Instagram know all about her impeccable style and flawless makeup. What they might not know is how much of her ethos is tied to her story of immigrating from Brazil to Pennsylvania and choosing to stand out rather than fit in. When we talked, I also learned just how much of Camila's hustle comes from a promise she made to her mother years ago. You've said you were raised fearless. What did that look like?
1: I was raised in a very small town of Brazil, a town of like 15,000 people in a countryside. I had very limited access to the world in general. But the good thing about growing up in such a small town was that I was so free. I could just get out of the house, play with my friends. Yeah, I was just such a free child. Today, like, I am so grateful looking back that I grew up in such a small town and that I didn't have any fears. My mom would just let us go out and do our thing and come back home later on. And she wasn't worried. I wasn't worried of something happening to me because, you know, that's like growing up in a small town looks like in Brazil and being so connected with nature and all of it. That's what made me so happy, free and fearless. Um, So, yeah.
0: (laughs) And then you moved to Scranton, Pennsylvania, which is... (laughs) Quite the twist in this story. I know. What do you most remember about that move?
1: First, before we moved, we went to visit. And I loved it. I didn't go to just Pennsylvania. Of course, I went to New York where my dad was. My parents were divorced at the time. And I remember just exploring this country. And I was so in love with it. I wanted to learn the language. I wanted to go to school. In the united states like i wanted it and i remember when we finally moved i was very excited i was excited but i was also scared especially like my first days in high school i felt very different from everyone i was scared that i wasn't gonna have like friends but i was excited but i was also scared and i remember my first like friends were latinos And later on, of course, I made more friends with like my American friends were amazing as well. But, you know, I always had a stronger connection with my Latino friends. It's just in our culture, like we're more warm. So that move was scary, but also exciting at the same time.
0: Having a diaper you can depend on is important, and it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club.
1: Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast.
0: You were a self-described nerd. It was pretty surprising to people when you chose not to go to college.
1: What went into that decision? It's funny that you say the word nerd because my teachers, especially my math teacher in high school, he would call me a nerd. I was in love with math. And I actually was an honor roll student in high school throughout the four years. And my mom was so sure that I was going to go to college and be like the best student Out of all of my three siblings, (laughs) I think she saw me as like the highest chance of being like the greatest student. But when it came time for me to apply for college, I remember thinking about it so much. I did not know exactly what I wanted to do. And because I also knew that my mom will probably help me go to college as well, gave me even more pressure. I did not want to choose the wrong thing. I did not want to pay for college, study for something and not love what I was doing at the end. I did not know what I wanted and I was sure that I didn't know, but I didn't want to make the decision. Like I was just so scared. And I remember I just pulled my mom aside and I was like, mom, I knew she was going to be so mad and devastated but i said mom i don't know what i want to do and i just need some time i need at least like 6 months to figure things out i want to move out of here out of scranton i don't know what i want to do and i need to figure it out like and she was like camilla no you need to go to college right away your grades are amazing like you have to go to college and i i feel like it was also a fear of hers you know like she didn't want me to to end up like her, depending on someone. My mom did not go to college. She was housewife. I understood her fear, but in my heart, I knew I needed to wait. I know for like an 18-year-old girl, it was a huge decision, but I followed my heart. And I remember telling my mom, I promise you that I will make you proud. And I looked her in the eye and said that. And I still get chills saying this to you because that stayed with me for so long. There was a need and desire to make my mom proud. And like after I left home. So it was when I left home that I got a job. I moved to Boston. I had an aunt in Boston. So I lived with her for a couple months. And I wanted to get like my own apartment. So I just got a job somewhere. My aunt helped me out and she, in the job was at a department store, working at a makeup counter, selling makeup. Uh, The counter was Christian Dior. And I remember I hated the retail hours. (laughs) It was terrible uh, working on weekends and all of that. But one thing I loved about that job was the fact that first I was working with beauty and I've always loved beauty since I was a little kid. But second, that I was in a way like transforming or affecting people's like self-esteem. People from different backgrounds with different needs and different moods would arrive at the counter every single day. And after me selling them a product or putting something on them, like 95% of these women will leave with a smile on their faces. And that would make my day. That was what, at the end, made me realize how transformative, empowering beauty is. And that experience was what made me want to become a makeup artist. So after that job, I became a makeup artist. You know, when I told my mom I'm a makeup artist, she was happy about it. But I knew she was like, (laughs) she was probably like, oh, maybe you could have done something better if you went to college. But then, you know, I found social media. I found YouTube. And I did my first video as a hobby, and this was 10 years ago. I was about to
0: say, yeah, the timing of it is is important because now it doesn't seem that novel but 10 years ago people were not approaching it as a business
1: no 10 years ago youtube was just used as you know a platform for you to watch music videos on and i remember when i i actually went on youtube this day to watch a music video and i found this video of candy johnson which she still does like her videos today she's from california this girl had like a full on tutorial on on youtube and i was like oh my gosh this is incredible and in my mind at that moment, all I could think about was doing a video to help out my friends and, and family, like my sister, who always asked me for like a 101 to teach him how to do their makeup. So it took me a few weeks and I finally uploaded my first video. The lighting was so yellow. I had no <laughs> idea what I was doing, but I uploaded my video and surprisingly, I started getting great feedback from like my friends in Brazil. I just shared this in like my personal Facebook at a time, Twitter, you know, and it was just my personal friends in there. But people liked it and I started getting engagement. And surprisingly, slowly it became something. It became my career. You know, I never expected in my life that putting videos on YouTube back then, 10 years ago, was going to end up bringing me to where I am today. What's
0: also apparent about you, though, is that you have a lot of hustle and are very savvy because once you started seeing those, the viewership on YouTube, you quickly expanded to blogging and, and there you saw sort of immediate growth as well, which also broadened it out from beauty to style, which is a much larger
1: space to fill than just doing makeup tutorials. I give those credits to my husband as well because I remember when I did my first videos, he was like, Oh, this is cool. Like internet, Camilla, you know, internet is the future. Like and I remember him telling <laughs> Just me Just so you know,
0: like the Gen like, Zers are listening to the two of us dying. <laughs> oh, exactly.
1: But like when he told me that, I was like, Come on, like future, like internet and I you know and he was the one that said, you know, keep doing it. It's going to be great. It's a hobby, I know, but it could be something great. And I remember the things he used to tell me, I would never believe him and it would all happened. Like, I remember when I opened up my blog, people started asking me for more content. And when you're doing video, it gets limited, right? And if I wrote a blog, I could share content every single day, every type of content, including fashion, which I've always loved. In the first 12 days of my blog, I got more than 150,000 unique visitors. And that was a crazy number. And so in Ikoro, my husband was like, see, this is going to be great. Like, keep doing it. What was it that you
0: were doing that was resonating with them? Because those are wild numbers.
1: It was mostly the like how-to videos, how to do an eyeliner. Today you find... All of these, like, I mean, if I do a how-to eyeliner today, it's not even going to get a view because there's so much content out there. But back then, you have to think, like, there was nothing. Imagine the amount of girls who did not know how to do their makeup. And then they could go to YouTube and find how to do your eyebrows, how to do your cat eye, how to do a smoky eye how to do a red lip like perfectly, how to do contour, highlight. So all of these things were the ones that really got the most engagement. When I was sharing about fashion as well, it was like my look of the day. It was very personal, the fashion style side of it in the beginning. But the most attention was brought from the beauty tutorials, like the how-tos. At the end, like I built such a strong relationship with this following that They had me as as like a friend who were there every week to like teach them something. And I've always been so close with my following and I've always like took some time to listen to them. Like, what did they want me to bring? What did they want me to show them? Uh, So that was very important on my growth as well, to listen to them. And I still do until this day. It's such an important part of it.
0: The most immediate way in which you monetize these followings is to do work with brands. And you, of course, had brands reaching out sort of immediately. How were you assessing? How do you assess who to work with and who not to work with?
1: Oh, it's, you know, in the beginning, it was really hard. You know, I remember when one of the first brands sent me a box of product and I was so excited. I was like, oh, my gosh. I am doing this as a hobby. I love it. And I'm getting free product. Little did I know I was actually going to get paid to do, you know, certain things. But since the beginning, it was very important for me to keep my followings trust. I remember when brands started reaching out and I told myself, I will not advertise any product if I don't love it. So there was always a rule for me before saying yes to a brand or to a product or to advertising something, I need to try it first. And if I already tried that product and I don't love it, I'm going to say no. So since the beginning, when I was still very small, I said no's. And those no's were very important as a long-term for my career. Because, you know, you need to stay true to yourself and your followers will know. If you advertise something that you don't believe in, it's automatically going to come out not so organic I still say a lot of no's I'm okay with those no's because if I say yes to everything and if I don't stay true to me, it's going to get to a time that it's all going to end and I'm going to lose my followers trust, which is the most, you know, important thing that I have. So yeah, no's are very important and it has always been.
0: You're also operating, you're operating next level now. I mean, you have partnerships with beauty brands, a fashion line that bears your name, and now your beauty and cosmetics line, your new launch, Ella Luce. What is your vision for the
1: brand? My vision for the brand, I mean, my fashion label came first, uh, which was such a big dream coming true. I just really, I wanted a brand that kind of like translated my style. Why we chose Revolve, right? It was like, My main goal was to have this available online all over the world. So we chose Revolve as a partner because I've had a relationship with them for so many years. I know the people behind the brand and I knew it was going to be accessible for everyone all around the world. My goal with Camilla Quitter Collection, for example, at first was to see everyone from every background, everywhere in the world wearing My brand, wearing this clothes and representing CCC, and with Aluluz is the same. Like my goal is to see this brand grow and evolve. Like we aim to be perfect and to deliver amazing quality. So my biggest decision with my beauty brand Aluluz was for it to be clean. Could I do that? And I doubted myself. I was like, can I make a brand that has quality, but has clean ingredients and meets the highest standards for clean. Um, I know a lot of brands use the word clean today, but like, you know, being clean for me, it's from everything, like ingredients to packaging and being sustainable. And I gave myself that challenge. Like Alouz is supposed to be launched much sooner. uh, But when you're clean, you have so much limits there's so many limits to everything, to ingredients, to formulas, to packaging. And I gave myself that challenge. I wanted to prove to my own self that I could create a clean brand because also I think it is the future. We need more products out there that are good for you, good for your skin. My goal with Allelooz is to represent women all around the world. The messaging with this brand is it's all about light. It's about you know, the the name Alleluza is inspired by the warmth and the confidence that comes from everyone's individual inner light. It has to do also with my light story. You know, I want people to grab the product and think about how special their inner light is. But my goal is for us to grow and to evolve and to learn through the years. And I see a beautiful future for both of these brands because I'm, I'm 100% involved in every single detail of both brands. And you know I always say when there's love and there's passion when there's hard work things come out great so I I hope the the future of these brands is a beautiful future
0: You were diagnosed with epilepsy when you were 9 and your mom suggested that you not
1: share the diagnosis Why? Yeah there's still a huge stigma out there about epilepsy And this is something I've been working on to, you know, using my platform to try to end this stigma and to educate people in society on what epilepsy really is. (laughs) One out of 26 people get diagnosed with epilepsy in the world. So it's a lot of us and you don't hear anyone talking about it. 20 something years ago, you know, this was what, when I was nine, this stigma was even worse My mom telling me not to share with anyone was a way to protect me from being bullied or from being looked at differently because she knew my type of epilepsy was controlled and that I was going to get to live a normal life. She felt like, you know, I didn't need to share. You know, a lot of people with epilepsy, one out of those 26 people, they get to live a normal life, but a lot of them don't. Uh, but those who do get to live a normal life like me, today, my mom thinks differently. She thinks, you know, I maybe could have, if I had more experience myself, I should have told you to actually talk about it because she also didn't realize that keeping it in was probably going to affect me, which it did. When I was 17, I had a really dark time accepting myself and even though only my family knew I had limits right I couldn't drink alcohol I I had to sleep well eight hours a night because all of those things triggers the the seizures so today my mom thinks differently and and but back then it was a way to protect me that the one advice I always give to people to moms out there uh, say the word epilepsy talk to your children about it in a normal way like encourage them to talk about it, talk about their condition, because it's only going to make them stronger. Today, I can fully talk about my whole epilepsy story in every detail and not get emotional because I became stronger after speaking about it. Speaking about it, not just epilepsy, but any problems you have, anything you're dealing with will only make you stronger.
0: After sharing so much good news so much glamour what is it what's
1: been the lesson of sharing a challenge like this the lesson is there's no such thing as a perfect life there's no such thing as perfection you know today with social media we see everyone's filtered lives right out there on instagram on facebook we're only sharing most of you know the great moments about our lives and it's a big issue because you know especially with the new generation uh there's so many teenage kids who are going through depression because they feel like they're less fortunate than others and everyone's lives are perfect and theirs is not and so those with a voice with a big platform it is important for us to talk about our vulnerabilities about our challenges and about our struggles so for me That is the biggest lesson. Like I've accomplished so much throughout the years. I've accomplished much more than I ever dreamed of. Coming from such a small town, I never thought in my life that I could be half the way where I am today. I feel like I've accomplished everything. I mean, now I have a very personal accomplishment goal, which is to be a mom. But, you know, I'm sure I have faith that it will happen at the right time. My biggest lesson is like, there's no such thing as perfection. We all, everyone in this life will have a different challenge, will have a different struggle and you are not alone. Whatever you're going through, there's somebody going through the same or worse or less worse, but we're always going through something and going through challenges is what makes us grow. It's what makes us learn. And it's what makes us better. Camila, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate oh, you. Thank you. It was great talking to you.
0: Thanks for joining us. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lentigua Williams and me, Alicia Menendez. Virginia Lora is our managing producer. Cedric Wilson is our producer. Carolina Rodriguez mixed this episode. Manuela Bedoya is our social media editor. We love hearing from you. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. And remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you are listening. And please, please leave a review. It is one of the fastest, easiest ways to help us grow as a community.